eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Yes! What is up, everybody? And welcome to another installment of the Keiko Lawson Podcast. But most specifically, the U.S. Men's National Team Hour with two of your favorite former U.S. Men's National Team players, Jimmy Condor and Heath Pierce. We're going to break down all the action as we've seen from our U.S. men's national team players around the world, most specifically in Europe, most specifically in Germany, most specifically with Ricardo Pepe, and of course some of the other players that may or may not be playing as much as we'd like. And we have a very special guest today, an absolute beast in the game in North America for Canada and MLS. Dwayne De Rosario is joining us to talk about Canada's hopes and, and really the best chance that they have to qualify for the World Cup since 1986. The U.S. men's national team hour begins right now, what is up, everybody? It's Jimmy Conrad alongside Heath Pierce. Dwayne De Rosario is going to be joining us very shortly. But Heath, before we get to him, we got to talk about Ricardo Pepe. He made his first start for Augsburg in the Bundesliga. Played 83, 84 minutes in a 1-1 draw against Eintracht Frankfurt. Were you pleased with his performance? Jimmy, what an intro, by the way. Can we talk about That was very good. That was Thank very you. strong. And Thank for you. anybody that, that, that's listening to this or watching this, that was full off-the-cuff freestyle from Jimmy, which is really <laughs> Im- impressive, you know. Thank you, thank you. Thank uh, but uh, I, 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 I'm trying not to focus too much on on how he played. I, if you just saw, there was a stat that just came out that Kicker had him, uh, Kicker Magazine, which is you know, for anybody that doesn't know, is sort of the most well-regarded uh, ratings magazine, or 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 you know, the newspapers do all their ratings of all the matches and stuff. It's probably the highest regarded in terms of the professionalism and and the analysis of it. He had the second lowest uh, of the team, I believe it was. Derek Gray put it out, and it was either the second lowest of the team or second lowest on the day. Only had 34 touches, um, didn't have a lot of uh, goal-scoring opportunities. But for me, I thought it was a solid debut. I, I think, again, we're, we're caught up in this world of, you know, he's just going to go in and score every all, all the way through. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and it's mm-hmm. funny now, not to jump off a topic, but if you look at what Mbappe is doing, if you look at what Erling Holland's doing compared to what Messi and Ronaldo did in their early days at the same age, they're like miles ahead of those guys. And so I guess the whole point I'm trying to make is that, you know, you need time. Everybody develops at a different speed. Uh, you know, their coach kind of went out and said, hey, if you put too much pressure on him, he's, he's going to fail. He's going to collapse because it's not his fault that the global rates are, are this high for a kid of his age. But, you know, overall, I think it was a good building block. If I'm, if I'm Greg Berhalter, I'm just excited this kid has made the move and now he's getting minutes and then he's coming into camp to, to help us hopefully – with that sort of, you know, Jimmy, you know what it's like when you've changed teams or you've been given the captain's ban or a different type of environment. You kind of puff your chest out a little bit more. You have a little mm-hmm, bit mm-hmm. higher confidence. Just like when you get called into the national team for the first time. You go back to your club 
And you have two ways of taking it. Either you're a little bit cocky, like, hey, finally made it. Look at me. I finally got the credit I deserve. Or you're like, I'm at a new level now, and I'm going to set the new standard around me. And I feel like Ricardo Pepe has that type of mentality. Hopefully, we see that response uh, in this upcoming national team. I, I'm sorry. That was a long, long way no, to respond, no, no, it's what, fine. Was your, what was your take on that? Well, the, no, the, before the, I get into my take, he actually made some, some comments after the game, and he had an interesting quote. But before we get there, make sure you hit subscribe, hit like, leave us a comment. Let us know how your thoughts or how you're feeling about the U.S. men's national team this particular week. And tell us from 0 to 10 how excited you are that Dwayne Day Rosario is joining us today, Canadian national team legend. If it's not a 10, I'm going to have some strong words for you after the show. It's got to be a 10. 10 out of 10 that Dwayne Day Rosario is here. And then, of course, if you're listening to us, make sure you leave us a five-star review and give us all the good stuff. I mean, type, 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 type right now about how awesome we are. We'd really appreciate that. Now, so back to Ricardo Pepe, Keith Pierce. He mm -hmm. said these. This is a quote. Uh, it feels good to be in his new surroundings. Sorry, I'm now paraphrasing. I'll get into the quote. Still has a lot to do, so that speaks to the mentality that you were mentioning. But he then said this. The Bundesliga is much more intense than MLS. You have less space and you have less time. You have to adapt to that. I don't know if you heard those quotes or saw those quotes or not. I want your, your, your initial response to what he said there. Oh, I think it's a realization for him, right? I, I, and, and also a sign that I think he outgrew his role with FC Dallas and he needed a new challenge. He is, he is a grown man for 18 who just turned 19 years old. He kind of over developed quickly, jumped into the first team. If you go back to the earlier parts of, uh, of the season, he didn't start the first games of the season. And then all of a sudden he exploded onto the scene. And, you know, he's playing, starting in front of a DP, had a great season, but it's his first full season in terms of co contribution. So there's only one sample for him to go from in terms of what a professional environment is for him. And now he's coming to the national team. That's a little bit different because everybody's on the same page. But you get into the Bundesliga, everybody's trying to hit each other. Everybody's trying to hit each other in training because they're going for bonuses. They're trying to get on the field. You're on the, you're on the field against bigger, stronger, faster players on a, on a consistent basis. The tactics are better. Technically, they're better. And so I think all of those things he's going to have to take one step at a time. So I just appreciate him recognizing that quickly of saying, oh, man, this is completely different than the environment that I came from. And I got to figure this out. Yeah, I would add, too, that there's an urgency that Augsburg has because they are just on top of the relegation zone. And so every point, every play, every roll of the ball matters in a way that it doesn't matter the same way in MLS until maybe you hit the playoffs or if you get into the Open Cup or any CONCACAF Champions League, where there's a little bit more immediacy and urgency to what's happening on the field. And I think that's one of the knocks. We've, we've talked about this ad nauseum before, where how do you make those kind of I don't know, three months into the season, regular season games matter more in MLS. Yeah. And I think there's a lot to dissect there on a you future episode. That? What's you that? He's feeling that? You think he's feeling that already, though? Because, I mean, I remember I spent most of a season in a relegation battle. And you remember that every single game going into it. There was – you have a goal, right? Points, uh, a draw, a draw away from home, three points at home. But, like, you still had this added bit of pressure as the context of why those points matter. Mm -hmm. And he's in that situation now where not only does he have this transfer fee, not only does he have – uh, you know, to go and prove himself, but he's also having to get points because the team needs the points, and you can feel the pressure from the fan base, from the right, club. Right. You know, you feel it in the locker room, and all of that stuff, like you said, is different than what he came from, which is like, you know, you can go five, six game stretch if you're FC Dallas, and if you hit a three or four game stretch of wins, you're right back in the playoff picture, and everything's fine, and everything's good again, you know? Uh, whereas there, you know, he's having to make up for some stuff that he wasn't even part of earlier on in the season. So, I mean, do you think that's weighing on him already, or do you think it's more no. like, you know? No, I think he's saying the right things. I like that his coach is protecting him a little bit and saying the right things. And I think he's just going to get better and smarter. And this is really going to speak to him having to adapt. How quickly can he adapt and start to have more of an influence in the game so he can get higher ratings on kicker? Yeah, kicker. 
we're on to you trying to throw the Americans mm -hmm. under the bus. Now, we had another topic to explore here, and it was about playing time. Conrad De La Fuente was hurt and didn't play for Marseille against Lille. Uh, conversely, on the, the same game, uh, Team Awea didn't play either. But I want to bring in our special guest. He's been waiting patiently. I want to get his thoughts because I think it plays into Canadian national team players as well. Let's bring in Dwayne Anthony De Rosario, seven-time MLS All-Star, six-time MLS Best 11, MLS MVP, four-time MLS Cup champion. The guy has scored more goals for the Canadian national team until Kyle Lahren rudely tied his record this year. He's got 22 <laughs> goals and 81 caps. Here he is, Dwayne De Rosario, everybody. Let's go. What's up, Dwayne? What's up, gentlemen? How you guys doing? It's great. Yeah, we're doing great. And it's even better now that you're here joining us. I'm going to ask the first question. Then we're going to go back and forth. It's going to be a little rat-a-tat-tat, Dwayne, between me and Heath for you. Talk to me about Canada and their big chances of qualifying for the World Cup since 1986. That's a big deal. And I guess it maybe hurts you a little bit because you had opportunities but could never get across the finish line, not to bring up some old stuff. But you got a team here that I think is really special. Yeah, and, and you know what? It, it's not hurting me at all. It's 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 making me <laughs> even more proud, and and it's it's amazing um, place to be in right now. You know, it's it's rare that we've had a unique opportunity to be at top of the Concacaf table. You know, it's something that we we never experienced before. That actually teams are coming after us, um, and we're playing with with a lot of confidence, which is which is which is um, which is nice to see. It's refreshing. Um, you know, sitting on top of the group. You know, like I said, everybody's gunning for you now. There's no more secrets. All, all you know, all your players are exposed. Everyone knows what we're what we're about, and uh, we just got to prepare now for for the next uh, few games coming up because they're crucial. They're crucial towards where we sit in the standings. If you look at that standings, you know, one one win for Panama or or or, or Costa Rica, Mexico, it could change like that. You know, and mm -hmm. so it's very important that that that. Uh, we continue to stay on task and continue to play with that confidence that we're playing with. It's, it's like I said, it's amazing to see. Yeah, Dwayne, I mean, it's obvious uh, how good Alfonso Davies is. We've said it plenty of times that he's the best player in CONCACAF by far, and I don't even think there's a comparison to him right now in terms of making that a competition. But for the Canadian national team, for Herdman's plan, for everything that they're trying to do, how important is he in these next uh, qualifiers being missed? I mean, how, how how big is his role or how much will the team feel him not being on the field? Yeah, I mean, obviously a, a guy of his caliber is, is, is going to be, um, is a huge um, piece of our, of our, um, of how we're going forward. I mean, he's a huge piece of the puzzle and his impact in the game on and off the field, uh, it, it forces teams to, to, to keep an eye on him, which frees up space for other players. And um, so having him not involved in, in, in this phase, it, it's going to be, it, it's going to be put a hole in our team, but I'm confident that we have, we have the, the players and the personnel to fill in those gaps. Would it be, uh, you know, uh, Alfonso Davies caliber? No, but hey, you know what? Here's an opportunity for, for guys to come in and prove themselves and prove that they belong as well. Um, you, you know, it's, it's no, it's 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 amazing to see a, a Canadian doing so well on the international stage. You know, it's, it's Champions League wins, and you know, obviously you're playing with a world class caliber team, a team that's firing on all cylinders. But he's contributing to to their success. Okay, Dwayne, so talk to me about, well, another couple of players that are doing well in Europe outside of Alfonso Davies, and obviously we wish him well. We want him to get back as soon as possible. we got Jonathan David for Lille, and then there's Kyle Lahren for Besiktas, who, who has now tied your record, as I said, when I introduced you. 
How are you going to feel when he breaks your record? Because I assume he's going to break the record for the most goals for the Canadian national team at some point. Are you rooting for him to do it? Or are you kind of like quietly holding it? Please don't do it. Please don't do it. Please don't do it. No, I mean, for sure. <laughs> for sure, I would like him to do it. And if he does it, why would make the World Cup that even be better? Uh, records are there to be broken. Um, you know, I'm, I'm just... I'm just honored that I was able to 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 be in a position to to say that I've I once was Canada's leading goal scorer, um, coming from where I came from, and and it's nice to see uh, someone that's coming from a very similar background, similar community, that's now going to take my goal scoring and hopefully take it to the next level. Um, it, it's it's refreshing. It's it's nice to see, and and I don't hold anything against him. Um, you know, I wish him all the best. Like I said, it's it's. It's nice to know that, you know, you, if anyone's going to beat a record, it's someone like Kyle Aaron. Um, you know, he just won a, another major cup in Turkey. So, you know, he's going to be coming here with a lot of confidence. And you mentioned uh, Jonathan David. I mean, leading Liga in, in, in goals scored. I mean, that's, that's, that's pretty impressive. So it's, it's a beautiful time for, for the growth of soccer in this country. Yo, I got to say, though, Jimmy and I, we don't like the old generations. We don't like the new generations. We're big-time haters of everyone. I don't know how you have <laughs> such a smile on your face knowing the team is doing this well right now. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding for the most part. But let me ask you this. Wait, did, did you feel like uh, – you obviously seem like you feel connected to the project of where the team is at now, right? That the groundwork that you laid is now paying dividends in the form of, one, your, your own children, two, the national team, football in general in Canada – but did you have that same connection to the generation before you in Canada? Or do you feel like, uh, I mean, because it seems like you have a really positive spirit. And I think for, for the U.S. national team, or at least in my generation, before that, it, there was always this sort of like disconnect or almost bitterness through generations. Whereas now, like people are super proud of this national team on the U.S. side. I mean, yeah. did you have that same infrastructure for you? Well, 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 Heath, listen, I grew up in a, in a time where, where um, you know, when we, anytime we played away from home is like, guys, just bunker in and and fight for you know don't get scored hey, so, on, hey, don't so get did we hey so did we we just, did, we just we just did it a little bit better at the time so i don't, don't feel like you were yeah, uh, I guess so. alone on that one <laughs> right and and you know i was i was i was a rebellious one and and you know uh, i i came in to change that i never wanted to play afraid i never wanted to play scared um, I always wanted to showcase the talent. I wanted to showcase what what we have in, in inner city inner city communities, uh, communities that have been overlooked. Um, I know you guys can easily say the same thing in, in the U.S. And you know, I was fighting for 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 a bigger cause, and and I really wanted to showcase. That's why when I went on the field, I, I, my intentions were just to score goals and have an impact in the game, a positive impact on and off the field. So when I went in the field, I had had one thing in mind, and that's to to seek and destroy anybody I played against. And whether it was Mexico in Mexico, whether it was um, Costa Rica in Costa Rica, Panama in Panama, U.S. in U.S., you know, it's now we're starting to see not only one or two, we're starting to see a collective team that's sharing that same mentality. Hey, you know what? We can actually go and beat Mexico in Mexico. We can actually beat U.S. in U.S. And we've tied away from home in 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 in, in environments that we've struggled in in the past. So. They have the confidence. It's now continue to ride in that confidence, but don't get comfortable with, with, with those confidence because the different U.S. team that we're going to face, you guys are now starting to, I see Jill, um, the lineup's constantly changing. So guys have, have gotten many minutes, a lot of experience under your belt where we've kind of kept a, a, a steady lineup. So it, it's going to be a battle, and it's, it's important that at home we set the, the tempo of the game. Now, Dwayne, 
You are a four-time Canadian Player of the Year. Congratulations on that honor. That is very cool. If anybody has any questions for this man, Thank who's you. also been nominated as one of the 25 greatest players in MLS history, congratulations on that as well. And I should give you a shout-out here publicly. My only MLS Cup win was when you scored the winning goal in extra time versus the LA Galaxy. Thank you so much for that. I have a Thank nice you. ring Thank you. because Thank of your you. contributions to that game. What a special team we had in that you particular season. You made Jimmy season. rich. He did. I went it from twenty thousand dollars a year to thirty thousand dollars a year. I appreciate you, Dwayne Day Rosario. That was in the old MLS days. Now, now let's let's get into let's put your pundit hat on. Let's talk about Jonathan David. There's a lot of talk about him leaving Leo at the end of the season. It doesn't look like they're going to sell him here in January or anybody else on the team. Shen Botman's another name that's being thrown out. Where would you like to see Jonathan David go after this summer? So he's primed and ready to go because I think you guys are going to qualify for sure. And he's nice and sharp heading into the World Cup at the end of the year. Well, listen, his, his career keeps improving, improving. I mean, he's had a wonderful stint in Belgium. He's doing fantastic in, in, in France. And uh, I would love to see him in, in La Liga or even um, in, in uh, England if he, could, if he could get over there. I know there's a lot of teams, Arsenal, Liverpool, a lot of uh, heavyweight teams that have mentioned interest or shown interest in, in this young talent. And, you know, Here's another great product that uh, that has come from from our program that has been overlooked. Um, took a gamble, went to 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 Belgium, and now everybody's talking about him. And it's just examples like that is great for kids to see because it's good to see the the great success story. He started in in a top club in uh, in Europe, but um, you know he's he's worked his behind off. He's found his groove. He's found his rhythm, and um, you know I would love to see him at one of those type top flight clubs. Uh, and, and, you know, in particular, Spain or uh, England. Yeah, for, for some of the people that, that don't get to watch him play on a regular basis, right, we, we really focus on primarily the U.S. national team and their attacks, uh, attacking players. And what makes, you know, we talk about Ricardo Pepe and all the intangibles that he has to his game, but he's yet to really have a full season where he's scoring goals. Jonathan David, on the other hand, everybody mm -hmm. knows his goal-scoring record and, and what he does both for the national team as well as, at the club level, but what makes him good? Uh, you know, if you were on the field with him, what, what makes him so good and so dangerous that he's scoring goals on such a consistent basis? He has this special ingredient called scoring goals that you can't <laughs> teach, you can't buy. He's just at the right place at the right time. And I know you guys are footballers and you get it. Like he just has that knack for the goal. And it's, it's something that he, he's, he's very blessed to, to have. You know, he, he smells opportunity and he doesn't question it and he, and he attacks it, you know, and where a lot of people second guess it. I would like to think I was a player like that as well, where people won't take that shot. I would take the risk and take that shot. And he's a player that um, takes the risk and takes a shot and chances are it goes in. Okay. I love Jonathan David. I, and, and I, I'm going to say it for Heath, he's an Arsenal fan. But you said top tier club, so I don't know if you mean Arsenal or you don't, Dwayne. Where, well, where in my would you heart, like... I'm a gooner too, so you know. Yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, you want him hey. to go. You want him to go. It'd be a nice yeah. fit. I mean, Lacazette's yeah. okay, but Aubameyang's on his way out. I'm sure, so it could be a good fit for him. Listen, what do you think, listen. Dwayne? It's a love hate relationship. <laughs> it's, it's, it's frustrating. Arsenal's so frustrating, you know. Um, it seems like they're going to win and they don't win in the last five, 10 minutes. You know, they, they win in the game and they end up losing or tying the game. The last five, it's, it's a frustration. It's a frustrated team to watch. Um, they are rebuilding. They do have some great pieces, uh, as you mentioned. Um, but yeah, seeing, seeing Alfonso Davies go there, I think if he goes to a team like that, 
he'll be inserted right away. He'll get the time to shine. If he goes to somewhere like a Man City, he won't get in a lot of minutes or 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 a massive massive club. He might it might be difficult for him to get time. So it's very um, important that his him and his agent really calculate. Uh, yeah, you know, it's always good to say, "Oh, I'm at Barcelona," but if you're if you're Barcelona, you're not playing. It's that's not that cool, <laughs> right? Or Real Madrid, or one of those, or or, or even are Liverpool. You, are you are you um, kind of quietly throwing shade at Serginho Dest right now, Dwayne? Because I feel like that's where you're going with this. Because Serginho's uh, not really playing for Barcelona either. But he did. But he did. He, he did. Was, he did. You know, he was. And, and that's and that's and that's part of the cycle of being a professional footballer. Uh, a co- one coach likes you, a new coach comes in, and he has different plans for you. Right. And, and we've all yeah. been through that. So he it's 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 he has to he has to ride that wave. And, and when he does get his chance, he has to prove himself. It's it's un, it's it's difficult because he's not a goal scorer where when you get mm-hmm. that 10, 15 minutes, that, you know, if you score goals, your 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 product uh, speaks for itself. Mm-hmm. He's a he's a fullback or, or, or a wide player, depending on how he fits into to the to the formation. I, I, I will but say, though, that I, think, I very think highly yeah. of. Yeah. I mean, by the way, I, I will say that uh, in terms of what Jimmy said and for Arsenal, Jimmy, I mean, Arsenal do have <laughs> some decent – we're not going to go down this route. But they've got a whole young back line with White and Tomoyasu. They've also got, you know, Odegaard who's young. They've got Saka who's young. You know, they've got uh, Martinelli yeah, who's young. We've always had players. We've always yeah, had players. But, but I'm saying – if, if, if you were to bring in – yeah, if you brought in a Jonathan David, like you've now got a young group that you're talking about two, three years that you can get some production out of, and players that are that are that are seemingly fearless and informed. And I like the narrative of that. But again, I, I'm with Dero on the love hate relationship uh, side of those things. Dero, let me ask you this: uh, in in Canada's eyes, uh, who is the uh, uh, who is the U.S. men's national team sort of danger man? Well, on the U.S. side. Yeah, like, who do you, who do you worry about the most from us? No, who do you worry about from Listen, us? Like a, well, I would just say for one, U.S. is a very always been very well organized. Um, you guys do enough to get a result, and that and that's you know you, you think that you have the game, and then you, you, you always find a way. One thing I tap my hat off at the U.S. You guys always find a way, regardless. I mean, not speak last last go around. It was a you see how that happened, but usually you guys always find a way. I mean, I look at players like. Um, Pulisic, you know, he is he, he's instrumental part of the team, huge instrumental part of the team. Western McKenney scored a big goal for you guys, uh, you know, against Mexico. Uh, you know, you have Tyler Adams holding down that midfield for you guys, you know. Um, I, I, I know if I'm saying his uh, name right, but Theosin, right? Is Theosin? Did I say it right? Theosin? You guys Which are saying right <laughs> Which one? Musa? Sledichin. Sled- no. Which player is that? No. Yunus Musa? No. no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yunus Musa. Musa. Yeah, Musa, Yunus, Musa, Musa. Yeah, yeah, yeah Yunus yeah. Musa. You know, you know, he he's he's a player that, you know, creates a brings in a different uh, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, a, mm-hmm. a different style to, to to the team. So, but you know, when I think about US, Pulisic is definitely num- top of my top of my uh list and and obviously McKenney. In terms of he's coming with the national team, yes, he's had a little running earlier, but they've resolved that, and he, he's playing well. And Tyler Adams is doing a fantastic job in that midfield. So, you know, those three players, you 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 definitely have to have to keep an eye on. You guys have a very well balanced team, um, and you have players now that have gone to Europe. So, you know, they're going to be coming in with a lot of confidence, and and that could be dangerous. 
Okay, so one of the things I was teasing before we introduced you, something I wanted to ask Keith, but I wanted to bring you into the conversation as well, Dwayne, is minutes for your club team. Because right now, at least from a U.S. perspective, we're running into some players that are either hurt or out of favor, as we mentioned with Sergio Des, with the coach, not getting a lot of playing time. How do you handle that, or how do you think that impacts how they play for the national team? Or do you feel like once you put on the colors of your national team, it doesn't matter what you did last week or before you're ready to go because you're representing your country and you know that you're so close to playing and qualifying for a world cup. If anyone knows, I know that best. Um, I played <laughs> a lot of, <laughs> I played a lot of national teams years with guys that haven't been getting minutes and it's difficult because you're, you're, you're the sharpness of, of your decision-making um, that's the most impacted. Right. And you know, in world cup qualifying, that's a game of inches. And if you're not getting constant minutes and you're not mentally sharp, it, it's going to affect you, especially at the next level. Uh, so that will impact um, the coach's decision. It will impact the team for sure, 100%, if you're not getting a lot of games. And it's going to be a, a decision the coach has to make in terms of who's playing and who's not playing. And it's unfortunate because MLS is out of season right now, right? Are these guys keeping shape? I know you guys do a fantastic job of having uh, having camps and keeping guys you know, engage. You guys just played the international friendly in in this on December 18th. So you're doing your part. On our side, we haven't been fortunate enough to 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 get guys in and get keep them, you know, their game fitness. And we, if you look at our roster, we have quite a few guys on the playing in MLS that are on this on our starting roster. It's it's funny, Jimmy. And by the way, I think you were talking about uh, Jordan Sabachu. Sabachu, right? yes. yeah, yes, yes, yes. Right. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He goes by PFOC now. Um, Playing, yeah. playing in, uh, in, in Switzerland. But, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's – Jimmy and I were talking about – the last time the U.S. played was uh, – what was it, mid-December, Jimmy, on a, a mm -hmm, friendly mm -hmm. game outside of the, the international window. And we were really frustrated with the fact that Greg Berhalter played so many players long minutes when he had an opportunity for us as fans to see young players get a look at players that we want to see break in, players that we thought had, had a chance to maybe slip in at some point over the next year. Now looking back at that, Jimmy – I'm kind of I'm kind of happy that some of our players who haven't played or wouldn't have played in almost two months got that game in the middle. Now, how valuable that is, I'm not really sure. But when you're talking about, like Dero saying about Canada, and you're talking about the, a lot of those domestic players who aren't getting games right now, I think that's a really important uh, factor to, 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 to take note of. And then you add that to the players who are at their clubs and training and in season mm -hmm. but aren't getting mm -hmm. minutes. It's a very difficult time in, to, to have that cohesion and match sharpness uh, that you mentioned. Do you think that – because it seems like, like uh, Herdman's done a great job of just motivating this group of players regardless, right? Going back to the Gold Cup again where, you know, we, and I, I think I talked to you during this summer, Dero, where, where he kept saying this is we're playing it like a final, we're playing it like a final. And it was kind of funny and I kind of laughed about it. But then it became a thing and a mentality that they seem to have where it's just a lot of that sort of tapping into that mentality. I mean, do you think that that, that, that – how much of that, I guess, plays a role in, in Canada's preparedness? versus, you know, obviously match sharpness and match fitness and all this stuff is really important. But yeah. he seems to have them believing in something that maybe they didn't before. Listen, um, one thing about Herzman, he's a great motivator. Um, I think out of all the things and not take anything away from him, I think that's one of his, um, you know, his, his, his key elements that he, he provides to. You saw with the women team as well, right? He motivates them. He gets them believing. He gets them um, playing for, 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 for the cause. And, you know, that, that definitely helps. Now, again, I have to go back to 
okay, yes, you put on that jersey. The coaches motivate you. You want to play for the country. But as soon as you step on that field and that tempo starts flying, everything goes mm-hmm. out the window. What comes <laughs> in next is your game sharpness. Are your mentality? Are you ready? Like, no matter how passionate you are, if you can't get oxygen to that brain quickly because you're, you're gasping <laughs> for air and you're tired and guys are coming with you in that pace and the fans are, uh-huh. your fans are cheering, especially in, in, in those tough environments that, that we're going to be playing in, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. You're giving me anxiety. You're giving me anxiety. Yeah. The times that I, uh, you know, where your your breath is in your throat, yeah. and and you're like, you can't get a deep wind. You can't catch a second wind. You're, you're like, like, why am I out here? Am I having a panic attack right now? Uh, oh, right, right, exactly. All right, everybody. Well, all right, we're gonna take a quick, quick break. But when we return, our special guest Dwayne De Rosario will return with us to talk a little bit more about these big games coming up in the next qualifying window. Do not go anywhere. Hey, everyone, this is Jimmy Conrad, your favorite former U.S. men's national team player and the host of the Call It What You Want podcast. And I'm here to tell you that Viore is a versatile clothing brand that speaks my language. It's inspired from the coastal California lifestyle, just like me. Its products stand the test of time, just like me. And also, just like me, it endeavors to inspire others to live vibrant, healthy lives. Viore gear is designed to look great in everyday life while also being perfect for any workout activity. I'm currently rocking the men's Sunday performance jogger, And don't let the name deceive you. You can wear these babies any day of the week and in any situation. I'm talking going to the office, running errands, the gym, whatever your heart desires, because Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. So get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash sports. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash sports. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Again, go to viore.com sports and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the U.S. Men's National Team Hour on the Kegelasso Podcast brought to you by two of your favorite former U.S. Men's National <laughs> Team players. Heath Pearson, Jimmy Conrad, producer Des Norris, and our special guest, Dwayne De Rosario, Canadian national team legend, MLS legend. Uh, he's got so many things on Wikipedia. I can't even read them all because we'd be here for another 25 minutes. That's how much he's accomplished in his career. Now, Dwayne. I, I go there every now and then and fill in, fill in. I keep just adding stuff. <laughs> you should. Yeah, why, I, would, I mean, that's not a bad idea. I should maybe uh, start padding my own stats as well. But, Dwayne, let's talk about this upcoming qualifying window, which includes the U.S. traveling to Canada to take on uh, your boys in a very cold environment. And, in fact, from a U.S. perspective, we're playing El Salvador in Columbus. It's going to be freezing there. And then we play Honduras after the Canada game in Minnesota, Minnesota, Minneapolis. It's going to be freezing there as well. Do you think it really gives Canada an advantage? It looked like no. it did against Mexico. No? <laughs> no, no, no. Not against the U.S. How? <laughs> yeah, well, that's fair. Wow. We're preparing for You it. guys do the same thing when you play Mexico. You play them in Columbus. We all go that, right? Ohio, <laughs> yeah. you play them somewhere in the east. Guess what? We're playing U.S. in a cold – in Hamilton. From all the places, I, I don't get it. I don't understand why Hamilton. I mean, we have a beautiful BMO stadium. Um, 
Hamilton, it's 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 gonna be it, it's gonna be cold for both teams. You know, right, most right, of the right. players that we're bringing in are the, are European guys, right? The right. guys in Turkey, they're not playing in snow and cold conditions. <laughs> uh, you know, Alfonso Davies, unfortunately, is out of the question. But um, who do we have Fran- in France? They're not playing in in the conditions that. So it's gonna be cold for both teams. I don't think it. I don't think it's uh it's gonna help either or, right? Well, we, I, you guys I, I, play we, indoor on the East Coast. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but the U.S. is also playing their their games, as Jimmy mentioned, Columbus and 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 Minnesota, and <laughs> and as you mentioned, we're playing we're playing against El Salvador and we're in in Columbus and then Honduras in Minnesota. And again, I'm like, okay, I get it on some level, but at the same time, doesn't it seem like at a certain level of cold, it levels the playing field for everyone, as opposed to being like, okay, we're better than Honduras. Let's play. I'm not saying go and play in a, in an area where it's all Honduran fans. But there's plenty of good pitches where you can play quality football and beat Honduras with the advantages of being just a better national team or better players on the field than having to go somewhere cold and use that as like, it feels like it's all like the U.S. We've argued over this quite a bit that the U.S. is doing the same thing, trying to create these advantages when the advantage is just that they're a better national team and they should win those games at home and play in a place that, you know, you're going to have a good turnout for your fans, but you don't need to add the cold as an Mm -hmm. element. Do you agree or, or do you feel differently? Yeah, I, I 100% agree. If you're, if it's, if it's, you know, if it's Mexico and and, and a team that, you know, I, I would have to say, with all due respect to Honduras, and I'm sorry, Andy Nahar, a friend of mine, but I've never seen a, a, a Honduras side like that. You know, this Honduras team is really, really struggling. You know, I've always seen Honduras has always been at the top. They've always been right there, knocking at the door. And um, yeah, you, I don't think this Honduras team you need to be afraid of. You, need to be mindful of but i don't think afraid i think you guys have far more quality than them um now is it mexico then yeah i would say you do what you got to do to get a point or to get three points right um yeah, you, US, 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 should, u.s should play against mexico in canada that's what that's what i think <laughs> yeah but you well but the thing is we're playing in hamilton like how can i say this <laughs> it's 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 uh it's going to be interesting because it's not really a stadium. It's, 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 it's stands. It's, it stands on one side, stands on the other, and then there's open space in the middle, right? Um, so right. the environment that the players are used to playing in on both sides is not going to be there. And not to mention that we're already reduced fans on top of that. It's, uh, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. I don't know if it's playing into our favor um, or whose favor, but, you know, I think Canada play in the U.S., get it in a good environment. TFC has 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 heated pitch, so nice grass. Our guys love to play in that environment. We've proven we can play in that environment. We've played you guys and tied you and guys. And beat us there. In, yeah. In, 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 yeah. So why not keep it the same? But I wish I them know. all so, the so best, soccer, of course. Soccer USA in the chat says, without snow, USA beats Canada 3-0. We played them without wow. the snow <laughs> back in the first qualifying window. We drew 1-1 in Nashville. So I don't know if that's true, but I like where your head's at. Yeah, but Canada drew Honduras, too, not, in the very me. beginning. By the way, uh, that Honduras team, I feel like that was the wake-up call for, for Canada at the very beginning where I was like, man, yeah. Canada looks a little bit like they know they're good and they think that they're good. And then after that, it seems like they went back to that mentality that they had in the Gold Cup of just like, we got to earn the right to play. We got to fight. We got to work. And then the quality will, will win out. And I think it's doing, doing wonders for, for the national team. What, what I'll jump in and say is that I did some research about the cold from a scientific standpoint. I saw this report about NFL games that are played in, in freezing conditions. And it says reduced temperatures cause the body to burn glucose five times faster than usual. 
And that cold ultimately zaps the stamina, which means it's harder to expel the energy required for powerful plays. Now, remember, this is all based on like NFL stuff. So using NFL terms, reaction times can drop by 45% in freezing conditions, which really, I guess, speaks to the alertness that you have to have. And then it also adds that cold air irritates the player's respiratory system, making it more difficult for them to catch their breath. It stiffens the muscles and all this stuff. For me, it's a battle of attrition. As much as we play in extreme heat at times, I feel like it's still some some of the same narratives, Dwayne, where everybody's freezing and just like, I want to get out of this <laughs> as fast as humanly possible. I'm going to make a few plays, but ultimately, and you have, you've played in enough games to know 81 caps for the national team and 22 goals. It's between the ears ultimately is going to decide who wins this game and who doesn't, correct? 100%. 100%. It's listen, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that the the environment, the cold, the pitch does have impact. Um, you know, when we go play Mexico, they're not playing playing we're not playing in like six o'clock in the afternoon or seven o'clock. We're playing in the dead heat in mm-hmm. in Azteca on top of the altitude, right? And they're doing that because they know your muscles aren't gonna uh, acclimatize to that. So, mm-hmm. yes, again, going back to, to someone like Mexico, you'd want to play a, a team that you think you'd get any advantage of. And, you know, that's why we played them in Edmonton, um, you know, in those cold conditions and just bring them into, it was minus ridiculous uh, that, that day. I don't even know it was minus 12, 13, 16 or something. But, um, you know, I, I definitely think the cold that you mentioned does have an impact. But like you said, ultimately, it's here. It's here mm-hmm. because you you block everything up. Once you, once you get that pitch, you tune everything out. Everything, mm-hmm. everything just your your focus one hundred percent on what your role, your responsibilities are, and then of course, you know, just staying in, staying engaged. I like that. Hey, uh, Dero, let me ask you this though: on uh, with regard to the upcoming camp for the team, right? You play Honduras away, then mm-hmm. you play at home, and then you play El Salvador away. I mean, when you look at that, it, you start to quickly realize that it's it's not an easy run whatsoever because you have the U.S. at home in the middle, right, which is a difficult game in itself. And then you've got the two away games against El Salvador and Honduras. And I like, I like Canada's chances to get results from those games. However, you know what it's like. You've been to Central America enough times. You know that at any given moment, things could just go awry. awry and you've got to be able to have that maturity to be able to manage uh, things that you can and can't control. I mean, when you look at that window, I, I mean, how many points do you think the team needs to get and 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 what do you look at as, as failure or jeopardy in terms of okay these are three games nine points on the line I mean what's the, what's the amount of points that that Canada needs to get out of this maximum points I mean heaps you look at the standings we're not we're not far we're not gunning far ahead I mean we're every team is close in the mix I mean like I said one loss and a couple wins or a win from 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 Panama and um I close there Costa Rica nipping at our heels Mexico we're back down. We're back into the third, fourth place, you know, fighting to try to get back in. So it's, it's you know, we can't afford to get, we have to, to take points while we can. And I know I mentioned, um, this is probably the, the one, the, the weaker Honduran side I've, I've seen as long as I've played. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also, that's something to be, that, that could be dangerous because now you're going in there to Honduras team, that Honduran team that is, knows that they have to prove themselves. You know how their country, their their countrymen are when it comes to this sport. They're diehards. They're not going to take nothing less than than beating Canada. So, um, us going in there in Honduras in their minds to get three points 
they're thinking that is not going to happen. They're going to make our lives a living nightmare from the time you get in on that plane to you go to the hotel. You guys lived it. We've all lived it. Those experiences are hell on earth. They're going to they're gonna make for our players. How do our players adapt? How do our players adjust to those environments? And can they go out there, stay focused, and still get a result? That That's what we have to do first and foremost. If we can leave there with a tie, we can go to El Salvador, pull out maybe a win there, and, 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 and come and beat U.S. In, at, at home. I think, you know, you look at seven points. I know eight or ten, but we have to think like that, right? We have to right, think of course, seven points. Of course. We have to think seven points. We cannot walk out of here with three points. It's not enough or four points. I don't think where we are sitting at the table, it's going to be enough. What's interesting is that Honduras are on the bottom of the table with three points, and they have to know this is the window. They either have to yep. push right now and start to win all these games or their dream of qualifying for World Cup is over. So that little bit of desperation makes me a little bit worried for Canada going into this one. To your point earlier about are you ready? Once that game kicks off, are you, are you going to be ready to go? You know, five, ten minutes right. in, like, holy crap, I'm in San Pedro Sula. It's like 3,000 degrees here. I'm struggling. Can we go out there and get a result against a very hungry and desperate Honduran team? I think it's going to be a big challenge. So I'm curious to see yeah. how that game plays out. Now, before we move over to, to Toronto FC, because I want to get your thoughts, uh, your club ambassador, and obviously you do a lot of special things in the city of Toronto as well. Uh, and you just wrote a book, by the way. I can't wait to hear a little bit more about that. There was a good question from somebody in the chat, and I wanted to get your answer on this. And it said, against the best teams in the world, this is from Will, what styles of play should the U.S. and Canada play? Because once we get into the World Cup and qualify, we're not necessarily the top dogs anymore in our region. We have to get have to bite and scratch and fight to probably get to the knockout rounds. Do you think that Canada and what you've seen from the U.S. will have to adjust to, to really try to you think it's a you think it's per opponent or do you think John Herdman is the type of manager like we're going to play the way that we play and we'll tinker a little bit, but nothing too crazy? Yeah, I think you have your, your, your style of play. I think within that style, you would tinker a little bit and adjust according to who you're playing against. Right. Um, mm -hmm. You got you got to listen. You, you, you're, you're, if you're playing Germany in a World Cup or you're playing Brazil or one of those, you know, teams, you, you, you got to adjust a little bit. Right, you gotta respect your opponent, but not to the fact where you're just bunkering it. To the fact where you maybe adjust, move, move a play here. No different than the U.S. When you look at your roster, you've moved so many players, um, uh, you know, ar uh, around the place. Uh, McKenny one day is uh, a midfielder, then he's going to defense. He's moving all around. You know, you're, right. when I look at the roster, it's constantly changed. Like almost every game, there's been a different, uh, a different roster. So you have to be adaptable. Um, in your when you're playing in a World Cup uh, competition. So um, to answer your question, I think you you go with the same um, formation, but you just adjust maybe personnel. Shifting over to the the club the club level with, with Toronto FC, uh, what's your take on the Insigne signing, Bob Bradley's arrival, obviously Michael Bradley being in the club. I mean, what's the overall sort of energy at the club right now? And then how has that changed with the Insigne signing? And what success or or lack thereof do you expect him to have uh, while he's at the club? Well, I could tell you something. Everyone's excited. Um, the energy at the club, everything's locked down here, so there's nothing really going. There's nothing really happening. But from the media, from the fans, it's definitely helping to to draw the attention back to Toronto FC. Uh, last year was a difficult year, as we all we all know. Um, so hopefully, you know, we're, we're we're getting a guy that's medium age, you know, middle of his middle of his career. We can still get some good miles on him. Um, he has a a, a, a world world class caliber coming to to the team. Um, you know, I think he's just going to boost 
boost the team up. You know, uh, when a player like that comes to your team, it's going to create interest from other players as we see other players from Italy looking uh, and, and taking notice of what's going on in Toronto. Um, we do have a huge Italian population here in Toronto, so he's going to feel very comfortable. And, um, you know, how he's going to adapt to the MLS culture, how he's going to adapt to Toronto FC culture remains to be seen. But in no doubt in my mind, do we have a world-class player? And we're definitely welcome to, we're excited to see him, to see him in the red and white. Okay, Jimmy, now, Jimmy, Jimmy, wait, wait, wait. Go, before go, go. you ask a question, Dero, I just got to say that Canada, or at least Toronto, is the only place I've gone to where no one's ever said they were Canadian. Everybody, everybody, <laughs> not true? one person has ever said they're Canadian. I meet people all the time there. They're, they're, they're Italian, they're Arab, they're Caribbean. They're, not one person has ever said Canadian, but then now Canada's got a great national team full of that melting pot of cultures, and it's great to see. But I just wanted to point that out, that no one ever says they're Canadian when you're in Toronto. That's, no, that's what I was, was going to jump in and say was – do you think that having Sebastian Jovinko before kind of paved the way for Insigne to come, that there has been and a former Italian international came over and did very well? And do you think that'll help Insigne adapt? Because I think the big criticism at times when big DPs, big names come over to MLS, you always wonder how serious are they going to take the league? Because sometimes they come over and they take it very seriously. We've seen that with, with plenty of players. Thierry Henry, I thought, took it pretty serious. Wayne Rooney, mm -hmm. Rafa Marquez, not so much. Danielson back <laughs> in the day, not so much. But uh, it seems like with Jovinko, he came in, and obviously his first season was tremendous. Maybe one of the best seasons we've ever seen in MLS history. Do you think Insigne can come in and light it up if he if he takes it serious? It's always the big question mark. I, I think so. I think the demand here is is, is extremely high. I think he would, he would sense that. I think Toronto fans are very passionate. Um, they let you know when 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 the team's not playing well, and I think that's important. That honesty it, it forces the players to 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 look at themselves in the mirror and see, am I doing enough? Um, and like I said, there's a huge Italian community that I know he's not going to want to let down. You know, he's going to want to come here and, mm -hmm. and, and, and show what he's got, showcase the talent and showcase why, uh, Toronto is, is, is paying him so much. I mean, I don't think this is the record signing in MLS. Crazy you know? So, yeah. So you can there's no, there's, there's no, I'm, I'm coming here and I'm not going to, give a hundred percent. I'm coming here to get lazy. There's, there's, there's none of that. That's, 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 that's going to happen. Um, he's going to come here. I believe he's going to do the business. He's a professional uh, at best. And he, he, I think he's the one of those players that wears his heart on his sleeve. Uh, you know, I, I think about TFC and, and I, I'm, I'm friends with a couple of the, the, the main people from inebriati and I love the atmosphere there when the club is doing well. And obviously as the club has continued to grow, the demand gets higher. I mean, how hard is it, you know, with it, with how how important is it bringing a big name player like that to bringing a fan base back, or is it just all about results and fight and the team doing well? Because it seems like there has been times where the team has lacked, and obviously we're in a COVID era that I don't want to judge it based on that. But when it goes through tough times, sometimes it feels like the fan support isn't isn't there. But Toronto as a city is just begging for winning teams, and when teams are winning, that city goes off. I mean, how much of it is about winning or big names? I mean, what is the sort of, for anybody who hasn't been, ever been to a match in Toronto, what's it like there from a sports culture standpoint? Sports culture, it's one of the most vibrant um, cities in, in the world. You know, uh, you mentioned it in terms of the diversity, in terms of, you know, the culture, very proud city. Um, you know, this city has gone through some difficult moments and we could go right across the board with all sports, you know, very difficult, challenging times. And we've seen them still show up. You know, look at Leafs. I mean, we haven't won nothing since 1960-something. <laughs> but it's always sold out. 
you know, you always find you always find butts in the seats. Most of it could be corporate, but hey, you know what? Anyway, but yeah. <laughs> you know, Toronto fans, it's a different market. It's it's it's. I would say it's your blue collar fans coming to it, and I think that's right across the board with soccer. They come to the game because they have a genuine love for the game. They're passionate. They come to let all their frustrations off during the week. They come to chair on the team. They want to see the team do well. And to go back to your point, um, Heaps, is that um, uh, is that it doesn't matter what big na- name player you have, right? It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, results speak for itself. If you have a successful team, it doesn't matter who's on the team. Your fans are going to support you. Your fans are going to love you. But you have a player of, of this caliber coming to, to, to the city. Obviously, the excitement is going to be there. You add that with the results, and it's just going to fireworks. Well, Bob Bradley has proven he's got a great track record of, of doing very well in his first season. And I think uh, I think I've got very high expectations of what they're capable of. Having seen they come middle of the season, maybe that deters, you know, maybe a rhythm that they established prior to him getting there. But when you yeah, add somebody but, like him, I think they're going to be good. But you know how this league goes, man, from from let's be honest, from 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 May to, to August. Does it? Yeah, is, yeah. You know, that's true. That's fair. That's fair. If we're talking Europe, Europe, where there's relegation and promotion, then you, you have, of course, that's that. That's where things get a little bit um, murky. But you know, you know, August, September, uh, August, September, October. That's when the league really starts, right? That's right, when right. you know you have to be flying and going right into the playoffs on, on full flight. So you know, yes, we're getting midway through the season, but again. It, it's something that I know the players are, are are looking forward to, right? You have, whether you're doing not so good, you know, a player like that's coming, it's going to lift the team up. You're doing mm-hmm. good and you have a, te- a player like that coming on board, It's it, you should just, you know, it, it should take you through the roof. Well, you mentioned, uh, Darrow, this, you know how this league is. And I wanted to get your thoughts on Kellen Acosta going to LAFC, leaving Colorado Rapids, who were the best team in the Western Conference, got there at the very last weekend to make that happen, still lost the first round of the playoffs, which kind of speaks to your point. You got to be sharp at all times, uh, no matter, uh, especially towards the end of the season, that's when you have to be in in your top form. Now, there have been some narratives being built by Colorado about how this was all supposed to play out, but Kellen Acosta came out and said, that's not how the story was at all. Do you sympathize with, with the player here? and Kellen Acosta and what he went through. We're going to get the tweet up here. Uh, Charles Baum, uh, a friend of the show, says, Rapids were working on an extension with Acosta, but the sides failed to come to terms after years of European transfer rumors. Most of it turned out to be smoke, with the real interest <laughs> coming from other MLS teams. And Kellen Acosta responded, this narrative is sad. Colorado pushed me out. They had an offer for me on the table from abroad, an ongoing interest, and opted to trade me. Do you feel like, based on, quote-unquote, how this league is, because you, all three of us, have been, been involved from, from pretty much the very beginning, and seen a lot of things, a lot of things change. You feel like player power is changing for the better? Or do you still feel like we're at the mercy of so many other things? We don't really have as much power as we think we do. Listen, I'm all for, I'm all for player power. Um, I don't yeah. know the in-depth um, of, of, of his situation here. Uh, you know, and, and I'm glad that, you know, the player is speaking out and taking a stand for himself. Um, because sometimes when you don't say nothing, you let lead people to come to their own judgment. If there's a lot of, um, um, you know, if, if there's a lot of uh, influence coming from one side and you don't get to say your side, then a lot of people take it for what it was. I've experienced that with my, with my, with my situations. But listen, at the end of the day, if the player 
has an opportunity to go overseas or a player has an opportunity, he expresses his, 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 his willingness to, to pursue that opportunity. The club holds you back, doesn't want to let you go. That's fine. You come to the end of the season, you've done well, you, 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 you've done above and beyond what, what, mm-hmm. what was asked of you. Now it's time to say, okay, well, listen, okay, well, I, I would like more. You need to you mm-hmm. need to provide more, and the club says no, and another club says okay, we'll take you. Hey, you gotta do what you gotta do, right? Right? Yeah. It's a difficult. If it's a tough place to be in as a as a fan because you know you're supporting the players, but in the, on the backside of of the story, you know the player also has to think about his future in terms of you know maybe he has an agreement with LA that hey, if a, a European team comes. I want to have one have the opportunity to to pursue that, and they said, okay, yeah, no problem. You know, we'll 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 uh, allow that um, opportunity to happen. What I would like to see is though, especially on the break, more MLS players doing exactly what they do in Europe, going on loan, go overseas, and if they could play, why not? You know, get mm-hmm, them minutes, mm-hmm. get them playing, and and it just helps. It just I think it helps grow the league, it helps grow the relationship. This is not an uncommon thing. This is a worldwide sport that happens all over the world. Right. Mm-hmm. It's just here, mm-hmm. you know, when you're on the off season, you can't go here. They don't want you to go here. They want you to go here. What are you going to do for three, four months that mm-hmm. you just sit? You know, it's, I, I think we should start really. There are some players that are going over there, but I think if we get more players having that opportunity, I think it's going to open up the market even more and more players going to want to come here and more players from here. We're going to sell more players and this league's going to really develop a lot, a lot quicker on and off the field. Yeah. Yeah, one of the things that, that I think uh, in terms of a player power that's always going to lack is as long as that we run on a winter schedule, it's going to be hard for players to have as much power as they would should you be gumming out a contract mm-hmm. or be up for sale in, in the summertime, right? And mm-hmm. I think that the more you can align with the European schedule, the more the power is going to go into the players. I think the flip side of that, and, and it's hard because LAFC is a club that's happy to sell players on, right? They're happy to move players, and they've done that consistently – but at the same time, we saw with Mark Anthony Kay from LAFC going to Colorado, there was some interest in him and some other things. He obviously went in and got himself a new – he's going to get himself a new contract, right, and get himself paid. And I think the one thing that I think players are getting now is if they're getting traded against their will, those teams bringing them in have to have some sort of plan to give them money, right, get them paid. Yeah. Or they're, they're, you know, they're having some sort of say in the matter. Or you know, now if clubs are planning to sell a Ricardo Pepe – He's already on his second or third contract before they're selling him because they know, hey, I want to get max transfer fee, so let's do right by him. Let's give him a new deal. Let's give uh, you know, Paul Ariola a million dollars a year. Let's give Jordan Morris a million dollars a year. Guys that are breaking into the national team, let's pay them knowing that the right. valuation now increases of what we can charge for them um, exactly. and, and extend the contract out so we can charge for that, which is putting some play- money uh, – not money, putting power into the players, who have at least mitigating the risks of not getting to do what you want when you want you're at least mitigating that financially. And I think that's a very powerful tool in the, in the I guess, in the growth of our league for, for players. 100%. We, we have to start rewarding our own, right? We have to, we can't keep waiting till a European team comes and buys him for a ridiculous amount of money. And then, you know, it, reward, our, re, re, reward our own players, our own local talents that we've developed and grown. And like you said, their value goes up, right? Especially mm-hmm. if you play with the mm-hmm. national team, you ha- you can't be looked at, it doesn't matter how old you are. If you're playing with the national team and you get into the national team pool, the national team has to understand and, and the league has to understand there's a commitment there now, right? You're not mm-hmm. no more like you're a national team player. So the, everybody's looking you up here. 
So you have to match that same value and lift it up towards what that player is achieving. Okay, so Dwayne, before we let you go, you wrote a book. Yes, uh, Dayro, my life. Uh, what inspired you, one, to write this book? And second, what are any juicy details that you can share with us? That's second. Third, third, <laughs> where can we purchase said book so that we can go out there and learn more about your incredible life? That's a lot of questions, man. You know me. I, got, I only have one at a time. Um, yes, I, yes I, I, I wrote my own book called Dero My Life and exactly what, it, what the title says. It's about my life, my journey. Um, and, it's, and it's hopefully used as a, a motivational um, tool for, for kids, all, all, all walks of life that have gone through, you know, ups and downs, ebbs and flows, whether through their career and their personal life and how I was able to, to, to use that as motivation, as fuel towards my passion and my desire to become successful and make it in this sport um, through all the trials and tribulations. So it just it's a book about my journey. I, I go in depth of obviously my the longest stint of my career in, in MLS, but I've also talked about my European experience as a young kid um, aspiring to play professional. So, um, you know, I talk about a lot of things that I, in the book that I haven't spoken about. I don't want to give too much out there because, you know, you want, I want you to read the book and, and, and to, to go into it and send me your comments. Tell me what you think about the book. But there's a, there's a lot of experiences that I spoke about, you know, playing with the Quakes and what that was like. Um, as you mentioned, we had a good team. That was, I, I felt that team. a lot of those teams, you know, when you look at those players, um, I still think in our young, our young age, we could still compete, if not win a, win a cup today with, with that same player because of our experience. We had a great balance of experience of, of, and, and of youth coming in that wanted to prove themselves. With myself, Landon, of course, and then I'm looking up at guys like Cerritos and, and right. Eklund and, you know, Agus, you know, guys that have played a national team. And, you know, it was a great balance. And I think our coaching staff did a good job of, 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 of finding that right balance and, and letting us play and express ourselves openly and freely. So, um, but I do talk about a lot of my upbringings that, a lot of times I've never shared with anyone that's in that book and, and some juicy stuff is in there for sure. I love it. I like that. I like that. And we can get that on Amazon on everywhere that you yes. can get. Uh... Yeah. Chapters, Amazon, you can get it online. Um, most major uh, publishing bookstores. You can, you can get, you get my copy Sweet. of my book. I like nice. that. You know, Dero, I, I, you know, when I, uh, I was up filming with you a few years ago up in, up in Toronto and, uh, uh, you had uh, your 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 kids around, and and uh, one of your one of your children is now playing professionally. One That's has correct. he has he re- has he read your book? <laughs> did, he's probably, did the family he, get. I don't yeah, know. Exactly. I've heard it. Listen, you know, you know, kid. I'm just a dad. I, I don't know. I just I'm just a dad. I'm an Uber dad. <laughs> I, I pick yeah. up and drop off. That's it. That's my role of responsibility. But. Yes, I'm very. I'm a proud father. My my son is uh, playing in Ukraine um, at the moment. Um, Ruk Lviv, he's playing there right now, and um, you know I'm very proud of him. He's he, he loves the game. He's pursuing his his passion for for the sport. Uh, you know, and I'm very happy uh, for him. I have another son that's um, a goalkeeper that signed with uh, Toronto FC, um, who's who's about to embark in his career. He's 17 years old. Um, you know, and then I got I got my little guy that's with my academy here, Dero TFC, uh, who's playing with my academy, and of course my 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 oldest is my daughter, twenty four, and she's um she's living her her, her best life, doing do, following her passion and 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 being a beautician, and you know, proud dad. What can I say? That's it. That's all you got. <laughs> By the way, you must maybe 
be able to relate to Zinedine Zidane and Jurgen Klinsmann, who had kids that were goalkeepers. Is it weird to have a kid that wanted to play goalkeeper? Because that my you know, daughter listen, wants to play goalkeeper as well. I'm like, I don't even know you. Like, what are you even talking uh, about? Yeah, goalkeepers are I, crazy, man. I felt the same. I had to check the blood and make sure it was it, it was identical because I got goalkeeper. So I put him in the net and I started taking some rocket shots and he's diving. I'm like, oh damn, I'm almost I'm almost hitting him. And then I said, okay, you know what? Put on the gloves. And now I love it because one thing that one thing is always hard to find is a goalkeeper. So if I go to a field, I feel like, going net. <laughs> He doesn't want to go in anymore. Yeah. I'm like, no, man, you pick that position. You go in there. You catch my balls. <laughs> so I love yeah. it. I love yeah. it. You always got to well, go. Thank you so out. much. Thank you so much for your time. Everybody go buy his book. They my life. Go give him all the love and adoration that he deserves on all the social media platforms, including our chat right now. Dwayne, thank you so much again for your time. Good luck to Canada. We definitely hope that you guys qualify for your first world cup since 1986. We know that would be very special for you, all the players in the country of course, and it'll help continue to develop the game in a meaningful way north of the United States. And uh, keep being you, man. You're a special guy, and we appreciate being friends with you. Thank you, man. I appreciate you guys. Thanks for this opportunity. And, hey, there's, there's a lot of room for everyone, man. Why, we can't, we, why can't we both go to the World Cup together? Exactly. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Hey, don't worry. If it, hey, if it doesn't work this time. US second, why not? Yeah. No, no. Hey, <laughs> hey, hero. Listen, whoa, 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 whoa. Listen, if you, have, if you have a couple rough camps from here and the team doesn't make it, don't worry because 2026, everyone in the world gets to go to the World Cup. You know? That's right. You and we to get qualify. to host. We don't, and we don't even that, need to qualify it's in the in 40s and 50s. We're going to have 128-team <laughs> World Cup someday. So it's, it's coming, It's going to be man. amazing. <laughs> All right, everybody, we appreciate you hanging out with us for the U.S. Men's National Team Hour. So on behalf of our producer, Des Norris, Heath Pierce, Dwayne De Rosario, I'm Jimmy Conrad. Make sure you hit like and subscribe, leave comments, turn on your notifications, leave us a five-star review. You guys know the deal. We'll see you next week. Thanks for watching and listening. Later. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.